Welcome to Life on Mars, a podcast about technology, entrepreneurship, and innovation. You will listen to stories of the best founders, inventors, experts, and celebrities from all around the galaxy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Life on Mars episode. And in this one, we talk about community. We talk with Mark Birch from the AWS Ford Startups team, somebody I've known for a couple of years, although we've never met in person, but we've been following each other and tweeting at each other on Twitter and discussing community and metal, which is something that we will be talking about both things also in this episode. Mark is right now at Web Summit one of the largest conferences for technology and startup around the world. And precisely, he had been walking around during the interview, so maybe the audio is not the best, but we uh, we heard so many wisdom nuggets. We heard so much and we learned so much from Mark when it comes to community building, the roles of people who are the best to do community building, how can founders do community building, why do Corporations usually not get community and sponsoring. Why things go south? What to do when things go south? And you're the community builder, and you cannot let your community down. Uh, how, what have we learned? Because I, this is kind of like a two-way conversation. It's not so much of a traditional interview in the vein of the last event, uh, the last episodes that we have been recording at Life on Mars. We're kind of like bouncing off ideas and uh, of each other and saying like, look, I think this goes this way. Like I share our experience at Start Brand and building community here locally in Barcelona. Because for those who don't know it, we started doing events some months, even a year before Mars Space was born. So even if Mars Space was officially incorporated in March 2014, we had been running an event here in Barcelona that was called the Startup Circle. Basically, and this is pretty deep lore, and Ali, you have been listening to this episode, will know about it. Maybe there's some references in our blogs from back then, back when nobody would read the Marsplace blog. But basically, we started in early 2013 having some sort of meetups, uh, private meetups for our friends only, because we were working in the industry, in the uh, consulting industry, where you're not allowed to have a second job, right? Because of contract, contractual um, issues and, and, and things like that. So basically, I knew that some folks in my, uh, in my, my, my surroundings, some of my acquaintances and friends and other co-workers even, they were creating other businesses uh, as, just as much as I was creating um, Mars Space back then, right? But we couldn't make it public. We couldn't announce it. We couldn't, you know, you couldn't be seen working on it. So we were sort of on like stealth mode and under the radar for a year, um, working on the weekends and kind of like preparing the name, finding the naming, to building the website and whatnot. And what we did is we started meeting at my in my living room. Uh, it started, I think the first one, we had like five, six people. Eventually grew to like 20-something people. Then we moved to other venues because it's not like my living room is not that large. And we started having this sort of Entrepreneurs Anonymous, right? Of companies that were in stealth mode. But we wanted to share our miseries of being like super, super early stage companies that basically had no clients. But we struggled to find, you know, the first client or a good lawyer or the, a co-working space or working methodologies. So we would sort of do a daily stand-up or a weekly stand-up, so to speak, 
to share all of our, you know, things we had achieved and our miseries on the other hand and kind of like crowdsource ideas or favors like, you know, we're going to print some business cards. The more we print, the cheaper it becomes. Who else wants to join the pool and, and create the business cards with us? It's going to be cheaper for all of us. We were basically bootstrapping companies. That was called the Startup Circle and it started some time around 2013. It coexisted with Startup in Barcelona because uh, we brought Startup in Barcelona in February 2014. And for a good while, almost a year, we had both communities going on. But eventually, I decided that, you know, it made sense. We, we sort of had like the same values. Both were happening, you know, we, both were a recurring event. Startup was monthly. These other things, Startup Circle was happening fortnightly. And about like the same size of events and why replicating things? Why duplicating things? And I was doing also like interviewing people. And, you know, at a certain point in early 2015, we decided to merge both communities, right? Uh, I think we announced it on our blog, as I said. Um, and that's how, you know, that's how Sartrain became a little bit bigger in Barcelona because we merged these two communities that were very similar. And they were, of course, overlapping not only in format, and in instructor, but also in some of the members. But it, it was good. It kind of like taught us as a company that community building was something really interesting and it pays off. As a matter of fact, one of our key hires in the company, our tech lead, Uriol Cullell, who was at the time CTO of Vineo, comes from that very first meeting from the startup circle. And all the people we eventually ended up working with um, also we found through that startup circle or they were members of it. Like uh, my co-founder for Startup Plan Barcelona, Carlos Cruz. I knew him from before, but he was one of the members of Startup uh, Circle as well. And eventually we we're like, yeah, what if we, you know, what if we apply for Startup Plan and, and, we, and we do something bigger? And so, you know, that's how this, uh, the, the story started. You know the rest of the story, but basically, you know, that Mars space, we're pretty focused on community. And we have been, it's its something that pays off. That's something that's been working uh, very well for us. It pays off because it, it keeps us hiring. It keeps us, it has given us clients. It's, uh, you know, it's something that we're really passionate about, really works very well. We're encouraging other people to do it, but we understand that not everybody has got the uh, time nor the resources to do it. So, you know, we're pretty privileged in that. Without further ado, let's jump right into this episode. Mark, welcome to the show. Welcome to Live on Mars. How are you doing? Doing well, Alex. How about yourself? I'm fine. I'm actually, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy. I'm really excited that you're here because you're literally the first guest speaker that we have that is walking around a conference. So you're not only, well, you're technically not a conference. It's a pre-conference, right? <laughs> yeah. The day before the setup, the final prep. This is a web summit, and you're in Lisbon. And how do you feel about uh, how do you feel about being in you know the first one of the first big conferences after the lockdowns and restrictions and whatnot? Uh, I assume it's not the first one you go to, though. It's actually now will be the third. So I went to Saster in September. Right, yeah. That was right. six thousand people, all outdoor. Then last week, I was in Porto. Portugal for been at Porto, a business innovation network event, which is a consortium of different universities. 
And so they asked me to speak on the topic of community, one of my favorite hey. topics. And that's why you're here, because we I, I want to discuss some things about community, because, I mean, I've been following you for a while. I mean, you do community at AWS, but you've had to, like a, a very big line of jobs related to community. You've written a book. We're going to be talking about that as well. Um, but what, how does that come about? Like, when did you start being into community? And back then, it wasn't really called community, right? So when did you start? What, what's your background, in, so to speak? Uh, not, I, I generally start some of my talks with, I'm not a community builder. That's kind of <laughs> how I felt for many years. And even now, I feel a bit skittish about the term. So I think we've always had like this community. You know, back in the days, we had you know, meetups. We'd have events. We'd have groups. We'd have associations. These are all communities, right? There's, there's yeah. not much different. And this is going back to like way back in the days of humanity we are social creatures but yes so like community is a big thing you hear about it there's things like the community fund you know, community as a sector that vcs invested in now is super hot but rolling back my own personal journey i had a i've been a failed startup founder total like crash burn i was building a super complex enterprise grade hr tech thing and it was it was just a freaking dismal disaster for all that. And that's a whole nother like show potentially, but I, I, I emerged from the ashes of that dead set on fixing my problems. And I knew that I, one of those was just, I didn't have a network. Like I didn't have like other entrepreneurs to, to lean on or ask questions of. I didn't have connections to the, the investor world. It was just, uh, I just felt very alone. And so I went on this mission to go on a meetup, at least one meetup every night for a year, excluding weekends. I gave myself like the weekends off. But wow. Uh, so it was like 250 plus events I, I attended. And I just, I made it my mission just to meet one person, like to build like one good connection. But of course, like I go to these events, sometimes I go to two or three in an evening and I've met way more. And that's, kind of turned into a blog that I created that built up a massive audience uh, because I just started blogging every day. I, just, I said, I'm going to put myself out there. So that was kind of the step one, like to build my network and to build credibility. And then several years later, I, I became like an advisor to a lot of uh, B2B tech founders in New York City. And they kept asking me the same questions about how to sell. So they looked at me like, oh, Mark, he's a founder. He, he actually did like sales for big companies like Oracle and Siebel. And he's a developer in his past days. Like he gets me. He gets like me. I'm an engineer. I'm a geek. And I can't sell. Yeah. So he's going to teach me the way. So we uh, we'd get together. We'd have these coffee meetings. And then after like hundreds of these damn meetings where I'm advising them on the same damn thing, they said, no, this is ridiculous. Let's all get together. We'll meet up. I'll invite some of my smart sales friends who've been there and done that. And they'll teach you. Like I'm, I'm stepping out and they could, they could help you out. And then you could help each other. And that was the start of this thing called the, well, at first the enterprise sales meetup. And then it became the enterprise sales forum that started in you know, one meetup every month in New York city. Then became two groups, then became three groups. And then we started, then it expanded nationally. And then internationally. And before I knew it, 
I had this thing that was a community without me yeah. like necessarily defining it as such. And we had, we had volunteers, we had roles, uh, we had co- a code of conduct and tenants and like a whole, like a whole system that I built out to try and manage this unwieldy thing of 30,000 plus members across 24 chapters. And that's when I guess I, I put on the, the community hat and started to own that mantle. Okay. So it's kind of like uh, that maybe, uh, that maybe explains quite like why you guys, uh, at least at AWS or you personally, you get startup grind because there's all of these community world, these chapters thing, but your story totally resonates with me because when I started in the ecosystem in Barcelona, I had the same problem, right? I came from, I mean, I was not a founder, but I came from the, from the, let's call it the old school consulting world where you were not allowed to go into like startup thingy because then you were perceived as looking for another job. But when I quit that job, I had to, I had to go to meetups because I wanted to know people. And, and, and long story short, I moved to San Francisco where I knew nobody for three months for my tourist visa. And I remember that there, my strategy was exactly the same. I was like, I'm going to go to one meetup every night. I even went to the beer Olympics, which had nothing to do with tech, but I wanted to meet people. So, I mean, all that, all that story, uh, just to just to sort of confirm that wow. in order to in order to create community, one of the things that you have really, I mean, you've covered over it, which is kind of like you know, it's kind of passion, yep. but also consistency. You said I was attending meetups every night, I was blogging every day. Uh, what's your vision on this persistence and consistency in doing things day wow. over day? I gotta tell you, it, like, it, it's. I look at community like you, like you look at startups, right? Like, they kind of have the same trajectory, right? So we all yeah. know the curve when you're when you're starting off and it's super exciting. You kind of you're going up that ramp and you go and you go and you feel so excited. Yeah. But then, like, you kind of hit like a like a plateau. Then things Always. don't go so well, and you're like. Holy shit, what the, oh my God, what did I get myself into? And then you crash and burn, right? Yeah. And that's most people's journeys with startups and with community. But the thing I realized that you have to gut through the trowel of sorrow. You have to push through, be persistent as hell, but also iterate. You got to figure out like what are things that are going wrong and what do I double down on things that are going right? So like a good example of that is the first city that I launched in was Boston, outside Great. New York City. So go up to Boston. First three events, no, first two events were great. Had about yeah. like 60, 70 people at each. Like people were like super excited, like, wow, this is the best thing ever. Totally like sharing with my friends and my colleagues, and we're going to bring up a team. The yeah. third event comes. I had Nobody a senior coming. person. Yeah, the third event, we had 10 people, including what speakers. What went wrong? It was, I, I, you know, that was the thing. I, I couldn't really suss out. We had like the right type of speaker who was like at the head of like global enablement for HubSpot. All right. Well, like, that's like one hell of a name. speaker. Yeah. And, and we had someone on the venture side who was going to interview this guest and we had total no shows was it a rainy night or something like there was like I mean, a big game like, at yeah, the same I mean, time the weather was wasn't great but still it was it wasn't that it, 
it, it, it's just going to happen. And I, I tell people that build anything. You're going to have these days. You can't explain yeah. it. It's going to suck. You're going to crash and burn. You're going to be embarrassed. You're going to want to put your head in the ground, dig yourself into like, like, like 10 feet under and never emerge. And that is the exact worst time to give up. Because now you're actually on the trajectory of figuring out how to get yourself up. So what I ended up doing, the fourth event was also a disaster. All right. We had like the wrong people. We had like we had randos coming up. Mm. But it two things. One, I started charging for the events. That's a good point, yeah. Yeah. So I was gonna get rid of the randos. So I was gonna curate it. Then I made special direct uh, outreach to sales leaders to come attend the event or at least let their let their teams know that we have this this event going on. And I had social proof because I already kind of knew a lot of people in the Boston startup ecosystem. And then the third thing I did is I got someone who had a really big network. Like his whole deal was building networks. So I had him as my fifth speaker for that fifth meetup. And that combination brought a hundred people to that event. Okay. That's attended and, event. And paid. And then, and then, and then the directory, just, it, then it took off, right? And that was the same story, whether we launched in Chicago. San Francisco is a different story. Everyone yeah. always came out for San Francisco, but like Seattle, London, like, you know, Singapore. So we had like that, we had that same curve. And so I tell every community builder, don't expect everything to be like roses. That's not, like, that won't happen. That is a complete outlier you got to have the bumps to figure out how you optimize and how you build a community that people care about. And that's yeah. ultimately what you're doing. You're, you're building something that is connecting people to something that's bigger than just yourself as a community builder. You're building towards a vision that people care about. You always got to ask what's in it for me. And when I say to me, it's really that member that's out there that might be interested in the thing that you're, you're trying to coalesce and put together to get them excited about it. So that is what you have to do in this journey of community. You gotta be consistent because if you're not consistent, you're gonna, you're gonna bow out well before you've had enough learning and enough conversations with your community to figure out what the special sauce is to double down and keep it going. Well, but there's one thing here that you briefly mentioned that is like you had your your downs, right? Like, you know, there's bumps in the road, an event was a disaster, even your previous startup had failed. How do you find the motivation? Like, I don't know, like for me, it's one of the hardest things to do is to kind of find a motivation to bounce back, especially because community takes a lot of time, like a long time to pay off. So you don't get immediate results. Even if you're doing events, your next event is one month away. Potentially, you will be stacked head down for one month before you bounce back and you have a successful event again. How do you motivate yourself? I think that there's like a deep well inside of you. And you know, if it's not for you, yeah, like it's easy to give up. And it was easy to give up on my last startup for a lot of different reasons. I just felt like we had built ourselves like too high and deep with the bullshit to be able to get beyond like our challenges. And there was no light at the end of the tunnel. The difference is when you really have that passion for your building. And what was different was like, I, I approached this as a solo founder. Like this was my thing. And it was like my reputation, my credibility. 
everything that I am, I invested in it. And that that's, but it's a double-edged sword. Like you can do that and you can still fail, right? So there's no guarantees. But I think what gets you through the trial of sorrow is if you have that, like you really do care about the thing that you're building and you, ha- and you stick towards that vision, you will get through. But man, it is tough. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I wanted to give up. I was going to like, I, I was like, screw Boston. Like you, you don't deserve yeah. this. Right. Yeah. And, but you, I think part of it is I talked about that network before. Like I, I had no one in my first startup. Like I had no other entrepreneurs I could talk to. I was really yeah. out there on an Island. The difference, like fast forward five years later, I had a massive network and I asked people like, am I doing something wrong? Do I suck? Do I, do I, do I smell? <laughs> like who knows? Right. And they all said, no, Mark, man, like, you're doing an awesome thing like this, like you created this thing and it's added so much value double down on that. And they gave me some yeah. pointers. They, like the whole like direct outreach thing to sales leaders. That was someone that, that was a suggestion. Uh, someone reached out to me that I knew and he said, Oh, I love your enterprise sales forum. And we just had a conversation. He said, look, just, just reach out to people directly. They don't care. They'll love the fact that there's something that there's that's there in the community for their reps to get excited about, right? So I just I learned and I built a way of kind of sussing out and getting like good solid advice and recommendations to help guide me and help keep me on the path. So I okay, think whenever you oh, whenever you hit that whenever you hit that like that tough period of time. That's the time to like reach out, reach out beyond yourself. Don't put it all in yourself. Get some folks just like commiserate with to, to, you know, just have some ideas to brainstorm. All right. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good point because I was going to say like feedback, like you don't leave on feedback, man. I mean, even when, when, when you're feeling down and, and you're trying to look for advice to kind of like keep it going, you need some kind of external motivation. I, I mean, appreciation might be one. And there are some people that have got more or ego, less ego, whatever. Money is another one. You learn something else and maybe like people start buying tickets again. Good. That's a good one, right? Or results. But basically the results in community, one thing that's really frustrating is that sometimes they take years to coalesce and to not to pay back. We don't, we don't do it for the returns, right? Um, but like, for instance, now I've been helping people for like eight years building community in Barcelona. And Maybe this year I've gotten something back from somebody helped eight years ago, right? It's like, wow. So in hindsight, it makes sense. Like you would say like, oh, look at that. You've gotten this and that. But there are things that were years away or years apart from where when you started. Definitely, you didn't have this information. That didn't keep me going. Maybe it was something else. But like reaching out to other people and looking for advice, it might be uh, something interesting. Who are the people you look at, look up the most to in terms of community? What's your reference? Well, uh, what's my reference? Uh, you know what I think it is? Is I realized like there's so much I didn't know about what the, the thing I was building. That I didn't even like have a real name for. Like it, like it was only like a few years later that community became the word that I. I yeah. said, okay, this is what defines this thing I, I've been building. And also other things I've, I've done in the past that what I started to look at, I, funny enough, was Startup Grind. Like, so I was looking at what Dave was building with Startup Grind. I was like, wow, 
that's super inspiring. Like, he's like, he's got like all these folks like around the world that are passionate about startups, just like I'm passionate about getting people that want to learn and, and really excel at sales. Like these are kind of like the same thing. Like yeah. I should be like looking at what he's doing as like inspiration and maybe like the reference point. And obviously like, you know, where, where startup grind is, is gone from its very beginnings has been super inspiring for myself and for a lot of other community builders. You know, I also looked at professional communities like Salesforce and what they did with Trailblazer. That was like yeah. phenomenal. Like I never thought that like companies really could put that type of investment and that type of focus and with the execution and make a like a real community coalesce and they did it. So I think you always just gotta look around and see what are people doing? Not to copy them, but to get some inspiration, get some ideas. And it was only like, like many years later, I actually reached out to Dave directly and said, Hey, like you, what you built was so awesome. And I just wanted to say thank you for, uh, for like building that out and, you know, and giving me a lot of uh, just support <laughs> in my own journey, even though we didn't, we, we'd never met directly. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, actually, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, I mean, because you're inside a big corporation, right? You're, you work at AWS or Amazon for people who are not that technical, or one of the divisions of Amazon. And one of the things I like about AWS in particular or Amazon is like, um, you get community right, like as opposed to many, many corporates, because I deal with corporates every day. I've got them a client's uh, Mars base, or they want to be my sponsors at StarPrime, or they want to speak at our events, whatever. They want to they engage. Most of them, they're like, I can, how do I participate in this? I throw money into the community. That's how it works. And literally now, I like we've taken the policy of not getting any kind of sponsorship unless we are friends with the company, right? And that's kind of how it came about with AWS at a global scale in Starprime, but also in, in the local chapter of Barcelona, right? And yep. because, you know, we have, we have had a relationship of quid pro quo for two years prior to the sponsorship. We helped each other. And then eventually, like, does it make sense that, you know, we pay for, you know, the catering in the local events of Barcelona? I was like, could help, you know? But I really... I, re I was really glad to accept that money instead of other companies because other companies in the past, it failed miserably. Maybe they, you know, they paid in time, they were great people, but they would just come to the event, they didn't connect to people, they wouldn't come to the event, they would just pitch stuff that was not relevant to the community. I don't know, man, what's broken in, in corporates? Why don't they get community? The, the, reason, the reason it doesn't work out it's because the, the motivations, the values aren't aligned. Right? And I, that I learned really early on when I was taking sponsors for the Enterprise Sales Forum. They were just, there were companies that just wanted to buy their way in. Yes. Leads or to, to make it like a big business proposition. They didn't actually have any, any thought in mind as to the value uh, and the vision for what the community was all about. Like I wanted people to come and get like super excited about speaking, getting involved, volunteering. And I didn't even care so much about the money. I was like, do you care about the future of B2B sales and for the development of salespeople to, to build, grow in their careers, 
to to change the path of professionals that have no guidance to having a community where they can get that guidance. So if you don't have that alignment of values, there's there's not even there's no point in talking. I'm like, yeah, thank you, thank you, but uh, there's I'd rather just take take this on my own. And glad for you to be part of the community, but I don't need your support. Yeah, but sometimes you cannot take it on your own, or maybe 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 I was the wrong person to start the community here because I was broke as fuck when I started start Brian. Not saying that I sold my principles to the first sponsor that came because for the first year we didn't have any sponsors. However, when you start getting into conversations at such a young age of a community, the sponsors maybe they have four or five different options on the table and they want to see some metrics and they are incentivized to pick the best one in terms of metrics, not on values because they want to get some results, right? Which is, but for me, it's the wrong approach. But go tell their bosses who are going to judge their work based on the metrics of the events they're sponsoring, right? Yep. It gets a little bit more complicated, doesn't it? Yeah, look, I'll tell you, it's, it's not easy. Right? And I, I tell folks all the time, you can't, you got to be financially responsible. Great, like, yeah. You know, just, just like with a startup, like you, like this stuff isn't doesn't come for free. So we definitely did take, you know, I guess uh, sponsorships in kind. So we never paid for food and beverage. We never paid for space. And the quid pro quo was, okay, we're going to you know, invite a group of 100 salespeople, managers, leaders in your space. And you can get up there and say, hey, we have jobs available. Yeah. And that was incentive enough, right? So I think there's more creative ways of kind of structuring things that don't, necessarily sell yourself out that's still aligned with your values but the other thing i'd say is there were organizations that if you're doing the good work and people are seeing it and you're seeing that that word of mouth spread there's always those organizations that will look at that and they'll say we want to be attached to that because it's bigger than just the leads it's bigger than just the metrics it's about associating a, our brand with a vision that we really care about. And that's what I mean by alignment of values. Yes, they do want to see some results, but the results are different than like pure marketing metrics, right? Like, so number of leads or, you know, MQLs or all these other things, which I think are more appropriate if you're talking about an event, a conference, but not in the context of community. I think we need to look at different metrics for that, to, for understanding the value that's being created in the community and how that could tie into and be of a benefit for other organizations that are tied to that community. But how do you do it now that you are the one sponsoring? Like, do you understand better the, 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 the particularities of sponsoring now that you're on the other end of the table? Like, you're, you're yeah. now sponsoring events. You're right now a web summit. Uh, probably that one is a one of a kind. Like, let, let's not discuss that one, but maybe you sponsor other like smaller meetups or groups or communities. What kind of metrics do you measure them against? Yeah, some of them are very basic. We want to look at, you know, how's the, how's the group or community growing? Uh, what's the engagement like? Uh, are there any sort of outcomes or follow-ups that maybe extend into, you know, different opportunities? So people wanting to become community builders, 
or to apply to heroes programs or to uh, maybe there's a startup founder there or CTO and they sign up for, they sign up for activate. So there's different outcomes that we can look at from a community perspective. They don't get so tied up directly in looking at, looking at community as a marketing vehicle. So, yeah, we do have to balance it out. We are a big corporation, but we have a, I guess a broader view of the things that we expect when we engage at a community level. You know, and you mentioned something about Web Summit. That's a little bit different because we look at that as an event. And so we do look at that from a marketing and branding standpoint. So we do want to know, are we driving like good quality leads? Do these leads result into uh, downstream revenue? So that's important. But from a community standpoint, we know that that's more of a, uh, an awareness mechanism that's at the very top end of like we talk about marketing stuff that's way top end of the funnel. Yeah. That if we do enough of that, then results happen. We do see outcomes. And we know that's a fact because we see that in the work that our developer advocates do. And developer advocates, like why is like developer advocacy like the big thing now? Because companies understand that if you're not fostering and feeding a community, then you're losing out on influencing those decision makers. In this case, developers who are making decisions on developer tools and cloud platforms. So AWS, obviously we've invested in this advocacy type of motion for over a decade now, ever since like Jeff Barr was our very first uh, developer advocate. So that's kind of how we look at the difference between like events or conferences and our involvement in community. And oftentimes our community involvement, it's very, it's a very light touch. You know, we don't go in and tell our, our user group leaders what to do, but we'll provide speakers, we'll provide sponsorship, uh, we'll provide support, uh, we'll help them out to have questions about how to grow their community. So there's a lot of like the, this backend support that we provide to, uh, to help out our user group uh, leaders in building out their own communities and to, to foster that and to see it grow and become healthy. Because obviously, again, like we care about that. We care about the growth and health of communities long-term. And I, I, I tell you, man, like there's something I really like about it. Not, not only you personally, but like the, the rest of folks working at AWS is that you travel to the communities, like you travel to the conferences, to the uh, to to the events, to the meetups, and at least people people in Spain, people in Barcelona, they're really helpful in our event. But they, they come, like if they're in town, they just come to the event. They just want to meet people, but for no particular reason, right? And so you're doing it. Uh, you were at Saster, you mentioned. You're here. You you're probably planning your conferences for next year. Uh, what yep. part of it is it like for me? Uh, and I'm, I don't consider myself a community builder, right? Might be community leader, maybe, but, you know, I build community by my main job as I'm the CEO of a fucking company. However, I understand the value of community because I also spend a lot of time going to places and going to, to, to conferences because I know I don't want to feel like the grassroots feeling of when I started. So literally every year I go to Web Summit, every year I go to Start Grind, every year I go to this conference because I don't want to lose the touch uh, or the feeling with the first-time entrepreneurs, the feeling of first-time being in a conference and whatnot. What part of it do you think it defines the role of a community builder? 
I think there's, there's different aspects to it. I, I always think that there's some, there's the person that's a catalyst, right? Yeah. So they, they get the spark going and they'll generally be seen as the founder. But there's also other people that are very important for the, for the development of a, of a, of a community. And they're, they're, over time, there's going to be different roles that evolve. And so when I was building out the, the Enterprise Sales Forum, you know, it started off as just myself. And then I had chapter leaders. And then we realized we needed like a little bit more things to do and we had more to manage. So we had someone that w- would help with promotions, with sponsors. I look at all those folks as community builders. So I don't look at community building as a single role. I, it does start off in the beginning, just like you're, you're sharing with me. Like you're kind of like, you feel like you're the lone gun (laughs) going out there, putting it all on your back, all on yourself. But eventually you got to have a team. It's got to be community builders. But I think if you have that passion, you're making it happen. Like people see that it's like, it's like this magic. It's like an aura that happens that people are attracted and they want a part of that. The, The downside of that is there's a lot of people that might be attracted but when they realize the work that's involved, they'll kind of fade away. So it's mm. also another careful thing is that you're going to have community builders and then you're going to have community hanger honors who want to be yeah. involved, who want to be important. They want all the recognition, but they don't want to do the work. And the yeah. thing I always say about community building and startups is you need doers. You don't need talkers. Talkers like that's, you, you can join a think tank or join a consulting company or join like some, you know, big, huge enterprise. But if you actually want to do stuff and get stuff done, you need other doers around you. I think that's also a little bit of the DNA of, of AWS is that we are like this culture of doers. Yeah, we do strategy. We do think, but ultimately it comes down to driving results. So yeah. in the same way, like that, you have to think about that from a community standpoint. Yeah, because like uh, all the people I've met at AWS or Amazon per se is like they're ex-founders, like they're former founders. And um, maybe that gives you a different understanding. Like, for instance, the, the thing I was mentioning, probably the difference between me or uh, you and another community builder from another corporate is that we have been founders. So we understand the pains of starting up. But also like the difference between you and I is like, that doesn't really scale. In my case, there will come a day, maybe, in which I will have to have a team. In your cases, that, that's your role full-time, right? In my case, it's like, that's a small part of what I do as a CEO. Because I got a, you know, I got a team of 25 people and I got to take care of them, right? So eventually, the CEO must delegate this community building to somebody else. What's the right time, do you reckon, uh, for a CEO to kind of like step down from this? Or, or maybe there's no right time for it. I don't know if you ever really stepped down. It's hard, right? I tried. And part of it is because you're established as the, the leader or the, the founder, it's hard for other people to kind of look at someone else uh, exactly. to, uh, to take that on. And I don't really think that works in the short term. Long term, if we're talking about like years, then I think people understand that like, things change. But you got to build up that, that core. You got to build up the root of the community. 
which is mm-hmm. those people are super passionate like yourself. And you start to work with that, the, the folks that are part of that root to see, okay, who has the, the DNA? Like I have the DNA to continue on, right? And this is like simple like theory of succession planning. How do I, how do I, how do I fire myself? And I started yeah. to think about firing myself early on in the communities that I've built. So I know it's not sustainable. Burnout is the number one cause of communities dying. Burnout because of the leader or of the community of the itself? All right. Burnout of a leader. Because once the leader gets burnt out, it's almost like the, the, the spark gets let out of the community. And if it happens too early on, that's it. There's nothing to sustain. But you look at communities that have continued on, that have like that, that five, you know, seven, eight, ten year span. And the thing you'll notice is that they have not just one person that you can look to, but they have lots of different people that are right all on. part of making that community happen. But you got to start early on thinking about who's, who's going to be that core and thinking about who can, who can replace you when you fire yourself. Right on. I totally hear you because that's one of the things I have been, I mean, I've never felt like completely burnt out from Sharp Grind and that's something I've been doing for almost eight years now. But there's, there's come a couple of times in which I was like having a second thought about it, right? And maybe, maybe, you know, replacing myself, maybe bringing it. And, and I, I kind of think of a lot of things. Maybe it's like at, at one particular time, we kind of like changed the entire team and, and that worked. There was another time in which I took a couple of months off and I had the team just work on it because we didn't want to lose. You know, we've never missed a month in our monthly event since February 2014. And I didn't want to break that record. So I said to the team, can you take care of this for two months? I'm going to be away. And I came back stronger than ever. But like, I really never had, I was never really close to burnout. What, what are your tips for avoiding or preventing burnout in community building? Something you just said, take time <laughs> off. Take time off. Like the world is not going to fall apart on you if you if you are not there for a month or two. Like, okay. You got to you got to give people you got to give them the agency to make decisions without you. That's the first mm-hmm. thing. The second thing is you got to you got to pre- prepare the foundation. So one of the things that was core to one of the things that I did to kind of pass off the leadership mantle was I created an operations document that explained okay this is how we run the This is how we run the community. This is what you need to know. Now, my doc was a bit lengthy. It was like, like 18 pages or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> but it worked. Okay. Because I had everything. Right? You can have like the short version. Like this is how I just get things going. Like boom. Here's like, here's like the three-page checklist. Do all these things. At least do most of it. And you'll be fine. And all right. You can go on autopilot. Right? So I think it's two, right? Two things. Take time off. Give, 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 you know, take time off, but also give people agency to make decisions and give them something to work on or to work mm-hmm. with so they're not flying blind and then having to go back to you. That's for you, for your advice or for you to make a decision. When you step off, step out, your goal should be to not make a single decision. Do not make this, like, just no. And <laughs> oh, no. do not answer your phone calls. Do not answer your text messages. Ignore the emails. You got to let people fly. 
That's a good one. Uh, let, let's jump into some quick fire questions to kind of like enter the last block of the of the conversation. I wanted to yeah. I wanted to get like some some funny stories. You probably you're a well seasoned um, <laughs> uh, entre- entrepreneur and community builder. But what's the biggest fuck up you've ever done in community building? Well, um, besides having like less than ten people come to an event in Boston, <laughs> uh, that had like a senior headspot exec. But uh, yeah. Was there like something like really expensive where you like squandered a lot of money, maybe a sponsorship, something for a oh. something something that you you did like where you fucked up? There are definitely like big mess ups. Like I think sponsorships was a tough one for us. Yeah, like we had signed an agreement with WeWork where they would uh, host all of our events for us. Yeah, but then like the management of that became so overwhelming between all different chapters and chapter leaders, and then the people on the WeWork teams that were totally discoordinated and didn't know what the, de- what the terms of the deal were, that it just became a freaking nightmare. But that wasn't like, that wasn't like a singular mess up. It, that was just a, a very strained relationship for the year that that existed. Yeah. But the one thing that really does come to mind, and it's, it's quite relevant for this thing that happened last month. So every... Every October is Women in Sales Month. Mm-hmm. Right. No one's like not a lot of people necessarily recognize that or know how it started, but that's just what it is. You know, just like every calendar has like every month has like some like number of things. So October yeah. became Women in Sales Month. But why did that become a thing? So when I launched the Denver chapter, and this was something that was generally the case for all of our chapters, but the makeup of every event was 90% men, 10% women. Even in, Same in Denver. Yeah. There's like, there's total like male, like dominoes and, and people are generally cool though, but there's definitely not a lot of women. I thought that was disconcerting, but it definitely came to a head when we launched the Denver event and afterwards I got feedback that, uh, the women that were at the event were harassed by two particular oh. uh, gentlemen. So oh. I immediately went on like the war path. I banned them for life. Like, I basically, like, you, you two are gone. I was super apologetic to the women that attended. Some did come back. Some were just like, I'm, I'm out. Yeah. Uh, but I made it my mission to change that. So I decided to call women sales leaders, explain what we're trying to build in terms of the vision of building an an open, inclusive environment, and really to elevate the voice of women in sales. And that's when I had the idea, why don't we just have like a whole month where it's just sales leaders, like female sales leaders, sharing their stories, like what they've learned, lessons, their expertise, and we're just going to lift them up. And that's what, that's became Women in Sales Month. So what started as like a real, like, it was just like a horrible, like feeling like I, that was probably the lowest point in time I've ever experienced with the Enterprise Sales Forum. Cause that just like, that hit me at the core of like the values I espouse. Yeah. And I said, like, I can't have that, that that's, that's a non-starter. So, uh, kind of took that and said, okay, let's, let's turn this totally around and make it a positive. But yeah, that was uh, that was probably my lowest moment in community right. building. 
Right on. No, and and uh, off, but you did the right job. I mean, it it. I don't. I don't feel it was your fuck up. I feel it was like those two people yeah. that were harassing. Well, but anyways, you did the right job there. Uh, what is he? I, I wanted to get this. Uh, bounces off you because I know that you're an extreme metal lover, so you're really a lot into music. And I feel like I get some of the best ideas I have for community building, my events, the setup, the uh, everything we do, like how we welcome the speakers on stage with a with a rock song and rockstar applause and all of that from metal and from music. Um, I I could write a book about it, but like I want to hear your ideas. What have you learned from music? that you're taking into community building? Because definitely, if there's community builders out there, those are the musicians. By the way, look at the shirt. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. I didn't say it before. Yeah. One of the, uh, right on. the core, uh, core thrash metal bands out in New York City. All right. Uh, yeah. So, it's something that some folks don't know about, my, about me is that I used to have metal bands Back in the day, I played lead guitar, backup singer. Uh, definitely more on the extreme end uh, for some of these bands. And in fact, uh, depending on how much of a geek you are, you may get a kick out of the name. The name of our band was called Grep. What? Grep. Grep, I, as I, in a, I, Grep as in a Linux command. Grep. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's a pretty nerdy name, so, though. Yeah. But the funny thing is that our crowd had no idea what that name stood for. They just said, you're crap. That's so metal. Yeah. So uh, any case, so what did I learn from uh, metal or just music in general? I think that there's, there's an incredibly creative aspect of what we do. Right? And if you always think about it just as like the science, the procedures, the formulas, like, there's no life. There's no energy. The energy comes from the creative side. And so anything, if you are really a builder, whether it's communities, startups, software, it, it, it comes from a place that there's, there's no formulas, there's, there's no science, there's no algorithms you can build for that. That's an innately human experience. And that is what drives the passion for creating anything whether it's Leonardo da Vinci and all the incredible things he created, whether it's like a Steve Jobs or Bill Gates, they poured themselves into creating something because they had a passion, they had a vision. And there's a creativity that it's just hard to tap into or understand that we all have innately. It's just that you need, you need the opportunity and you need, you need to believe in yourself to let that go. And that's mm -hmm. kind of what I, for me, being a musician, having a band, that was my release. And that got me to really think about like, not holding back. Totally spot on. Like for me, there are three things that I've learned from music that I take into community building, which one of them is like build a great brand because most bands that are famous have got a great brand, right? It's memorable. Yep. Second is have a great leader. People think about the front, uh, sorry, not the front, the front man, But usually it's, it can be like the guitarist or it can be the bass player. It can be also the leaders of the bands, right? Um, and the third one is the consistency. Like, uh, as a, I also have a band. And yep. you know that you have to play even venues for five people and concerts for like six people. And then maybe you'll get to 10 and then you'll get to 12 and then you'll get to 20. 
But and then you'll go back to 10. That consistency we were talking about before, I think that's also like most bands do. Even when they go grow larger, maybe there's a band from New York City that uh that gets a little bit big, comes to Europe, and the first 20 concerts are like 10 people, right? Yeah. Because they have to open for a for a greater act, and this other band have got audience, but their fans are not interested in the opener, which would be your band. So you get to play for nobody, maybe for only the bar people or something like that, right? So I don't know. That's why I wanted to get your ideas on that because I know that you're uh, you're super passionate about music, and for me, like I literally I copy stuff from the things I see in concerts, like the 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 yep. user experience or what I call what we call the attendee experience in our events, right? It's like, well, we, we want to see some encore going on. We want to see some music being played before the show starts. We want to see people welcoming the speaker with a rock star standing ovation, right? Not only at the end of the show, but at the beginning of the show too, because that gives audience. I want to drop some F-bombs and some jokes during the set <laughs> so that... I get the people attention because people attention yeah. decreases over time, right? So all of these things, I think there's some sort of science over there. But you know, enough of like some science-y uh, thing is. Um, is there any couple albums you want to recommend to our audience before we wrap this up? Oh yeah, no, it's just I don't get to speak about metal very often on this show, so you know. Yeah, no, I got man. There's like so many things going on music-wise. I think it's like a, like one of those years which has been like a bit of a renaissance for for metal. Yeah, I think just like uh, overall like like an awakening for uh, for just a, like a lot of uh, for a lot of musicians that are coming out of COVID, thinking like, wow, like uh, this is this is like this is like the, the, a new birth, a new opportunity. So, uh, but of my favorites, like this year, the Gojira Fortitude album. Yes. Is just like by far and away my favorite. I, I've been listening to that like just nonstop. And there's a lot, there's like others that came out. I, God, who was that? Like Machine Head coming out with something which I thought was pretty yeah. killer. Yeah. Uh, it was an EP. It was a short EP, but it was yeah. amazing. Best stuff they've done but, in years. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that was like way better than anything they've done in the past decade. Yeah. Uh, Architects, great album. Great album yeah. they released. Uh, got so many. Uh, the new Tribium. Um, right. I, I listened like the first five songs. I got to like, listen to the rest of the, uh, the album later yeah. this week. It's, but uh, but I was like, wow, that was super awesome. But yeah, being Gorgira is still going to be uh, one of my core favorites. Yeah. Close I to totally. the heart. Also, Mastodon, they, they, their new album. There's some good stuff there. Is it already out? Because I haven't, haven't seen it. Oh, you gotta check it out. Uh, All right. Yeah, master. Yeah, I'll do it right after this. Um, great. Just one last question, Mark. We always wrap up with uh, a signature question at Start Brian. I know this is not Start Brian, but I want to ask it to you because I've I've got the feeling that you will have a very good answer for this. Everybody has got a useless superpower, something that's fucking useless, but you do it every day very you know with a lot of precision and and you're like what do i do this for what do i know this for right do you have any useless superpower i think my useless superpower is uh useless knowledge of historical dates <laughs> great such that as is, uh it just 
you know, I'll come up with something in passing. Like someone will say something like, oh, when did that happen? Like uh, Battle of Hastings. Oh, 1066. Yeah. And I'll just, right. I don't know why I noticed stuff. The same <laughs> thing will happen with geography as well. Like people ask me like, oh, what's the like capital of Jordan? I'll be like, oh, that's Amman. Oh, All right. Wait. Right on. It's just like, like just useless bats of knowledge in my head that uh, probably just like crowding out everything else that would be more useful, but there you go. Uh, it would have been useful. It would have been useful back when there was no internet, right? And you had to go and look it up. Now that there, we've got like all of this information in our phones, it's kind of like useless, so I agree. <laughs> Good one, man. Thank you very much for your time. Love the chat. Uh, I'd love to see you in uh, in person one day. So totally uh, we'll meet we'll meet in, in a conference uh, sometime soon. So we'll thank you. Enjoy the conference and, yeah. and we'll find a time to jam. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. All right, Mark. Enjoy Web Summit. Thank you very much. All right. Later, Alex. We are Mars-based, an all-remote consultancy from Barcelona, specializing in web and mobile development. We help all kinds of companies, from startups to big corporations, to conceptualize, design, and develop solutions for their business using technology. And now, how can we help you?